Good morning, and peace be with you. We have uh, Daryl doing announcements this morning. Um, I just wanted to mention first off is that uh, we had the congregation meeting, and thank you for those who were able to attend yesterday. I uh, appreciate that, and so we uh, took care of the appropriate business uh, of the day. And one thing that I would like to mention is that we had two families join us this year, new families. We have the Matthew Yabuki family joined us. Yay! And, um, and present with us here in church right now, um, Monica and Henry Edmondson uh, joined us uh, as members there. So um, I was teasing them that I wouldn't make you guys do anything, you know, in front of the whole class, you know, and all that. But we're so glad to, to have you here and uh, welcome to the uh, body of Christ through uh, Reformation Lutheran Church. And it's always better when you're all here. But thank you for coming. And, and uh, Henry had seen the sign uh, out front and it said Reformation. Uh, Lutheran Church, but he, you focused on Reformation, didn't you, from a, a, a reform deal. And it's just really funny how um, God uses things to catch our attention and to bring us on. And, and I had a similar experience years ago with uh, Lutheran Church of the Cross in Laguna Woods. I'd driven by it for six, seven, eight years, and I go, someday I need to go to that church. Someday I got to go to that church. Well, God had a plan, and he made it so I had to go to a church. And that's where we ended up, and that's why I'm here today from that sign on there. So may the Lord give us eyes to see and ears to hear where he is wanting us to go. I'm glad that you guys are here. So uh, God bless you and welcome. And Daryl, you ready? Okay. So good morning, uh, and uh, we did have a great meeting yesterday. I want to thank everybody that was there. It was a lot of fun. Uh, as far as announcements go, everything's pretty much in your bulletin there. Um, Salme is not with us today, and it is her birthday today. She raced out early uh, yesterday, so I'm going to assume that she went out partying for her birthday and hasn't made it back yet. <laughs> uh, then we've got Ashley coming up, Carol Keene coming up. And uh, that pretty much takes care of the birthdays other than the ones we already had. Um, the homebound, that's one thing I wanted to touch on. There are a lot of people here that if we could, there's a list of names. If you can, send them a card, give them a phone call, stop by, say hi. Uh, Ken is one of them that we've been by to see. And they really, really appreciate it. Um, Touching on our meeting yesterday, it was a great meeting. Uh, we had a lot of success with everything which we expected. And there was a whole list of things that are coming up through February, April, and March. Wanted to bring to your attention that Ash Wednesday, Wednesday will be coming up in February, Good Friday services, all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, all of the prayer meetings are on and they're in this bulletin also in the back page, back page 10 of the, of the minute meeting. So if you want to take a look at that. And if you can, uh, keep in mind that today postage stamps go up two cents. So if you're using the old way of doing mail, it's going to cost you more. And that's all I got. Really? I didn't know that. Did anybody else know that? Extra stamps as of today? And that's why we have announcements, see? Oh, wow. We got to get you up there more often. <laughs> Thank you, Daryl. Thank you.
Would you please stand if you're able? We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, mercifully look upon our infirmities and stretch forth the hand of your majesty to heal and defend us through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 10, and can be found on page 1438 in the Pew Bible. Jonah served as a prophet to Israel and Assyria around 753 B.C., and Nineveh was the capital of Assyria and a very wicked city. So Jonah 3, 1 through 5, and then verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they had did and how they had turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. We'll read Psalm 62 responsively, which is printed in your bulletin on page 6. Here David tells us that the true relief from our problems comes from an enduring hope in God's ultimate salvation. Psalm 62. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down? This lean wall, this tottering fence, surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies, with their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in exhortation or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they have done. The next reading is coming from the first book of Corinthians, chapter 7, verses 29 through 35, and can be found on page 1778 in the Pew Bible. In this reading, Paul urges all believers to make the most of their time before Christ's return by urgently telling others of the good news. 1 Corinthians 7, 29 through 35. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they do not have those who are happy. As if they were not 
those who buy something as if they are not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world is in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can, be, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in the right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning comes from St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, on page 1552 in your Pew Bible. Mark records, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets, and they followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. And without delay he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So we heard uh, several accounts of God calling men into holy ministry in today's readings. The Old Testament reading is the account of God calling Jonah to serve the people of Nineveh. And then the gospel account of Jesus calling four of his disciples to become fishers of men. Now the reading from Jonah is part of a much, much longer account of God working with a very reluctant prophet. When God originally called Jonah to go to Nineveh, well, Jonah ran away. You see, Israel and Assyria were bitter enemies, and Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And Jonah hated the Assyrians, and he did not want them to hear the word of God and come to faith. He didn't want to have that happen. 
And if the Holy Spirit worked faith in them, Jonah knew this, that God would forgive those people. That was the last thing that Jonah wanted because he hated, hated the Assyrians. So Jonah literally booked passage on a ship that would take him as far away from Nineveh as was possible in the world that he knew. He literally attempted to do the exact opposite of God's call. The call that he gave to him so that the people of Nineveh would die in their sins and go to hell. That's what he wanted. He was trying to thwart God. And that is how much that Jonah hated the Assyrians. And of course, God intervened. He allowed a major storm to threaten the well-being of the ship. And Jonah was so, he was so intent on avoiding the people of Nineveh that he convinced the sailors to throw him overboard into the stormy seas. Jonah knew that God was angry with him, and he thought that if he drowned in the sea, that God would no longer need to punish the ship. And sure enough, sure enough, when the sailors threw Jonah into the sea, the storm calmed, and the sailors were able to continue their journey in safety, only without Jonah. However, instead of drowning in the sea, God sent a great fish to carry Jonah back to the eastern shores of the Mediterranean. And many people know this account as the story of Jonah and the whale. But the Bible actually states that it is a giant fish that swallowed Jonah and carried Jonah back to the east. And when the fish got to the eastern shores of the Mediterranean, it vomited Jonah on to the shore. So there is Jonah. Here he is on the shore of the eastern Mediterranean. He's covered in fish vomit. And then God calls him again. Well, what is an angry prophet supposed to do? You can fight a God who can send a giant fish after you. How, how can you fight that God? And as we heard this morning, Jonah did indeed go to Nineveh in Assyria, and he preached God's judgment on them. And the Holy Spirit worked through the message that God gave to Jonah, and the people of Nineveh repented. And God forgave them. We can learn several things from Jonah. First of all, that is that God called prophets, apostles, pastors, and teachers. And he called those people that are sinners just like everyone else. And second of all, we, we can know this, that the most hateful thing a servant of God can do is keep God's word to himself. Jonah hated the Assyrians. And so he determined not to share God's message with them. And finally, we learn this, that God's message is a blessing to us even if the messenger is not. The message of God that message of God was a blessing of forgiveness, even coming from the hateful mouth of Jonah. And just as he had called Jonah to proclaim his message to Nineveh, Jesus also called four men to witness the saving work of his perfect life, his sacrificial death, 
his resurrection from the dead. And not only were these men called to witness this work, but they were also called to proclaim this work to the world. And as Jesus preached, he also called disciples to follow him. We read and read in Mark 1, 16 through 20, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, they, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. I will make you to become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little further, he saw that James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, they were mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants. And they followed him. Now these four men and the others that Jesus chose Well, they were not full of hatred like Jonah, but they all had their weaknesses. As we follow Jesus in his ministry, we will see these men fail again and again. And Jesus will teach them, but they will often fail to understand what Jesus has said. And while Jesus will proclaim the kingdom of God, these guys, they will they will often argue among themselves about who of them is the greatest. They will walk with, they will eat with, and hear God in the flesh, but they will focus on their own concerns instead. And even so, even with all that self-absorbed personality we witness, they will be the ones who proclaimed God's kingdom after Jesus ascended to the Father. And once again, we learn that God's called prophets, God's called apostles and pastors and teachers are sinners, just like everyone else. And in fact, it sometimes seems as though God goes out of his ways to choose the most unlikely candidates to proclaim his message. We read in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 9, Paul, as the Lord said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It is the message, not the messenger, who is important. And it is, as Martin Luther said, after the Reformation got underway, he said, Martin said of himself, I did nothing. The Word did everything. Nothing has really changed over the centuries. God still calls the most unlikely men to proclaim his kingdom. How can God take sinful, wounded men and make them the bearers of eternal life? How? Well, here's the thing. Think of this. If he created a special kind of person for ministry, could you relate to your pastor? Could your pastor relate to you? Look, we share a life of ups and downs, questions, a life of doubts. We share a life of fears, and it's true, right? Don't we? It is a life of sin that we share. But we share something greater than those things. We share together the message of eternal life. Do you remember what Jesus proclaimed at the beginning of the gospel reading today? He said this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The fulfillment of things was right there present in him. In this one man came the kingdom of God. Not distant 
and unapproachable, but crashing in on them and on us. Here was God himself who became a man. Here was God who bore all, all of our human woes and fears and pain. Have you been crushed? Have you been crushed with guilt, with pain, or with sorrow? Well, look to Jesus, because he knows. He knows you, and he bears it with you, and he bears it for you. And this is why he gives his people pastors. When God seems distance, distant, here's a man who shares your humanity, and he speaks for the one who has redeemed the world, including you. Here's the man who stands in the place of Jesus, bringing the ear of Christ in confession and the heart of Christ in absolution. Do you fear death? Look to Jesus. He has already been there, and he has some great news for you. He is the one who has entered death, even death on the cross, and he has borne all the guilt of sin for you and every other sinner by shedding his holy and innocent blood in your place. And yet death could not hold him. On Easter morning, he rose, destroying the power of sin, death, and hell. And this he proclaimed to you when a pastor, a pastor, a fisher of men, poured water upon you in his name, and you became one with Jesus in Jesus' death and in his resurrection. Come to Christ's altar. We will towards the end of the service. We come to Christ's altar where the pastor will place the very body and blood of Jesus in your hand. The very body and blood of Jesus given and shed for you. And here you receive a meal of forgiveness, a meal of life, a meal of hope. And this is a foretaste of the marriage feast of the Lamb. And here is the kingdom of God. It's not distant, but it's breaking into the moment, into your moment of time. So you come, you come broken, and you leave whole. You come burdened, and you leave free. Come and see and taste the kingdom of God. Now God called Jonah. God called Jonah to minister to a congregation that Jonah hated. And in spite of the hatred that Jonah had for Nineveh, God still worked repentance in that city. And the people of Nineveh received the forgiveness of sins. And in spite of the failures of the apostles, Christ still sent them to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in his name. And the word of the Lord grew. He actually made them into fishers of men. And God still calls sinful men into ministry today. And in spite of their shortcomings, the Christ they proclaim still forgives sins, and proclaims eternal life through their mouths. And their hands still give out the body and the blood of Christ, which is given and shed for the forgiveness of sins. It is not them, but the message of Jesus that they proclaim that is important. And that message, that message is this. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In the name of Jesus, amen.
please stand. Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us now pray for the whole church of Jesus Christ and for all people in accordance to their needs. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you desire not the death of a sinner, but that all would repent and believe in the gospel. In the epiphany of your Son, your time of salvation and your kingdom have come near. As this world passes away, give faithfulness and urgency to your church to proclaim the gospel of our God to all people. Lord, in your mercy, Lord of the harvest, as you called Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John to follow you and made them fishers of men, so send faithful preachers of your gospel in our time. Increase the spirit of generosity to all who support the missionaries, the seminaries, the colleges, and other institutions of our church for the spread of the gospel and the service of God's people. Lord, in your mercy, eternal Lord, in view of every current distress as the present form of this world passes away, give constancy and contentment to your people in their God-given stations. Give comfort, faithfulness to the married, and strengthen them to pass on the faith to the next generation. Show kindness also to the unmarried and assure them of the holiness of their place in life, that they would be freed from anxiety and attend to holiness in body, spirit, undividedly devoted to you. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty God, preserve our nation with its rulers. Call to repentance those who have forgotten you. Spare Joseph, our president, Gavin, our governor, and all who serve for the good of this people. Do not let disaster befall us, but preserve us in peace and quietness. Lord, in your mercy, merciful Father, turn us from every distracting anxiety and the dealings of this world that would draw our hearts away from your blessed gospel and its end, eternal life. Give us confidence in the resurrection and the peace of a clean conscience by the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. Graciously behold and help those for whom we pray, especially Debbie and Carol and Steve and others that we name in our hearts or out loud right now. Lord, in your mercy, and gracious Lord, in your holy sacrament, you deliver the gospel proclaimed by your Son and won by his death in his true body and blood. Work repentance 
and faith in all who commune and unite them in a sincere confession of your divine truth at this altar. Lord, in your mercy, and all these things and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, sharing our life. He lived among us to reveal your glory and love, that our darkness should give way to his own brilliant light. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins, do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. This meal is for all who confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if that is your confession, then come. The table is prepared, and the usher will bring you forward.
sinless life exchanged for our sinful God's ways are not our ways. His understanding is not our understanding, and I am grateful for that. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.